relaxed late evening recording this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to episode 219 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Francisco Aldasha. Hey, it's great to be here. And Andres Bruckner. Hello. Andres is uh, getting over a bout of uh, throat infection or something at the moment, so if his voice starts to go towards the end of the episode, bear with him, listeners. Uh, this week, normally, at this point, I would begin to read the results from the weekend from the league, but of course there weren't any. Well, there was one, um, but I've forgotten which match it was. It was uh, the fourth round match, was it? Sorry, I remember the match. I couldn't remember what the... Uh, yeah, I don't know why it was Vélez Quilmes. Oh, two, in fact. You're quite right, yes. Vélez Quilmes from the whatever round it was last weekend, so the eighth round, um, and that one finished. Hang on a second. 2-1 Quilmes. Thank you very much. Of course, yeah, I didn't see it, that's why. Vélez uh, went 1-0 up, right? Yes. And Quilmes came and then back. And the, I don't remember the other, the other one. I... I just checked. I uh, watched uh, an incredible goal missed by Imperiale, that with no no keeper and he missed it. Uh, I I remember that, but then uh, it was oh, I don't know. When of football, I've got this up in a very strange order. Was it round seven? Intriguing. It was. It was round seven, not round eight. Um, and yes, it was a two-one away win for Kinless. Uh, with the second goal from Bram Mancisha of Quilmes. Um And the other match that took place over the weekend was on Saturday afternoon, was it? I watched a bit of it, but I can't remember when. And that was Argentinos Juniors against Huracan. I think um, it was the day before yesterday. Monday? Monday. Yeah. That would also... That's another possibility. Uh, let's see what this says. It was it was indeed Monday, yeah. At, uh, oh, that explains why I couldn't see because I was in the pub. That's why I don't remember it very well. Uh, at nine pm on Monday, um, Argentinos Juniors nil, Huracan nil. Um, of which not an awful lot to say, except that it now catches Huracan up, means that they don't have any games in hand over anybody. I think, and yes, means that everybody in Group Two has now played eight matches and. Huracan, a second. Two points behind Lanús. So having made the point many times last year that Huracan are more unpredictable than a big box of something very unpredictable, uh, they appear to be much more consistent this year. I, I must claim, I, I said uh, after uh, before the, the tournament uh, started that they will be the revelation, surprise of the tournament. And they are, and of course, when... Uh, a pair of weeks before they were with 10 points and now they have 17 because they got 7 out of 9 from the 3 matches they had pending because of this story of the of the bus uh, that was uh, reckless uh, well and, and all the story we had already told mm. but well yes I, I have said that and they are for uh, luckily they are uh, I, I I look like I know about football because they they got these results. What these predictions mean uh, for the mystical predictions from our guests uh, are that uh, oh bloody hell I've gone past him already. Um, whoever predicted the seventh round, Mystic Harry remains on uh, two out of fifteen. Now they won't be counted up because he predicted a Venice win in that game against Kinless. And Argentinos draw with Huracan um, means, when I get down to whoever on earth it was who predicted that round, hang on, I've got to come up with a better system to know all these down, but then nobody's paying me to do so, so who can really be bothered? Um, where are they? There we are. Liam Harrison did indeed predict a draw, which means that Liam gets the final one of those correct and goes up to 6 out of 15. 
Well done, Liam. Still a distant second place so far, though, um, to Tom Robinson, who, as we said last week, uh, in the previous round two weeks ago, got an astonishing 10 out of 15. Um, it will be very difficult to reach him, I think. It will indeed, yeah, unless somebody gets an enormously fluky go. We, we have uh, Chris Murtagh predicting this week, but we'll get on to him later, obviously. The main topic of conversation for the week, now that you've sat through the first five minutes of waffling about stuff that you probably don't care about if you're a new listener, is the national team. Uh, because the other two results were, um, we were one goal out in total, because all three of us last week, Peter, Andres and myself, uh, we all went for a 2-1 win away to Chile for Argentina, and then we thought that uh, the Bolivia match would result in a three-goal victory, and it was a two-goal victory, because Argentina didn't seem too bothered about scoring, which was a bit strange, but there we are. Um, let's take the matches in the order they were played. Chile, first of all, um, and then Bolivia. The Chile game, I thought, was pretty good. Both of them, actually, let's, let's try and take them both at, at, at once, because... The, sec- the first house were better than the second in both. Yes. Are we talking about a neutral standpoint in the game overall as a spectacle? In, in terms of Argentina's performance specifically, I think I think Bolivia against Bolivia, Argentina played better, mm-hmm. but obviously that's not saying much considering the opponent. I think against Chile, we could have had more of possession, and I think as as Martino has said, uh, Argentina is trying to come up with an idea, not not so much come up as much as trying to implement an idea. And I think against Chile, it was, you know, in the works. Uh, we Tata Martino plays possession football and he hasn't been able to to implement it to the degree he'd like to yet. Mm. Yeah, no. and they, taking, taking into account that Chile has already a line in which they try to, to continue. Of course, we have to mention that uh, they had already done that, but... Uh, the, the the creator of that idea, at least the way they played in Copa America was San Paoli, who is not anymore there, is a pizzi now, and they tried to do so to keep the, the the same line of play, the same philosophy, and I think yeah. they look disoriented. It's logical they change managers and it's not going to be the same, but yes. I think San Paoli's idea is is clearly still there. It just doesn't seem in the first match to be working as well. And th- there were also key players from from their their national team that were there, like uh, Vidal, like, like Vargas, like Valdivia, and uh, they had to even make some changes uh, early in the match, like Argentina, because some injuries and well, that mm. of course makes uh, the team play differently. I think Valdivia's absence was perhaps the most crucial because in the Copa America he was every ball went through his feet. Well, so he, he got on the ball and distributed play magnificently in the Copa America. Yes, was good for I think I think for at least uh, my my idea is that they they were good at Argentina was good at uh, rapidly uh, turn over the results even the, even though not playing brilliantly to turn over a, a, a result that early in the match was uh, of course a disadvantage uh, to have the capacity to. Uh, well, at least uh, uh, through the goals to say, well, we, we are we are here and we are. Uh, We're mentally strong. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the most the the most important thing to take away from the match against Chile, is uh, turning around a match away in Chile with the all the implications of having lost the Copa America there only a year ago, and uh, I think I think Argentina's main deficit perhaps was the midfield which isn't Martino's ideal midfield because he'd like to have perhaps Pastore there as a more of a offensive... Uh, and he'd like to have uh, Mascherano in there. Mascherano as well. Because, of course, Cranavita, Mascherano was suspended, so Cranavita played for Phil Dean, the number five role. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't bad, but like I said, they couldn't get on the ball that much, you know, and it was mainly some brilliance up front uh, from Di Maria with a wonderful goal. And, to, to turn and, around the match. And Billy and Manega at least where I, where I saw in, in both matches uh, against Chile and, and last night against Bolivia, uh, they were not that accurate, accurate as, as I think they wanted. Uh, Manega looked tired after some uh, after average of the second half, and Billy wasn't that accurate, and I think that 
that also looked uh, well they had to do with the play of, of, of the team of course uh, do we think that sorry just to go back to, to what you said a minute ago Fran do we think that Pastore would have been starting if he'd been fit I think so because he yeah. played I think so because he played five relatively defensive number fives mm. so I think to, to balance out the team a bit more he would have looked for some more offensive qualities in Pastore because I, I, I just think that the way that this uh, team has gone so far I, I sort of get the impression that I, I, I don't uh, hate Martino as so many people seem to do particularly those people who've only really seen him um, at Barcelona um, I think he's doing a better job than, than, than many would give him credit for but there is something a little bit static about that midfield Mm. And one of the, a change that I thought really could have helped them in the second half against Chile when they they fell right back almost to the edge of the area and you got like a broken team with the front three half of the pitch away from from the players who were supposed to be sort of getting up in support of them exactly um, was maybe you go back to Sabella's plan during the 2014 World Cup qualifying campaign and you put Di Maria as one of those midfield three and tell him just bust your lungs to get up and help out the front three so possibly I don't know say obviously Pastore wasn't available but uh, replacing say Biglia with with, with Lamela um, or with um, Angel Correa and putting Lamela or Correa up into the front three and telling Di Maria you drop back and you need to be the legs of the of the midfield um, but it was all very like for like the changes in, in both matches um, in spite of the fact that, he, especially against Chile as well, I mean, he had a good chance to make changes that could have changed the game because Chile had to make two two substitutions due to injury in the opening twenty minutes, um, and that's one thing that I don't, I'm not so sure about with him. I, uh, the starting eleven, by and large, is you know I don't have too much of a problem with that, but the the, the lack of then real change when it comes to the point where because the second half, you know, Chile could have got an equaliser. It would have been deserved and it would have been a case of Argentina kind of bringing it on themselves and to an extent Martino wasn't uh, doing anything to try and change the momentum of the game back, back to Argentina. Yeah, I completely agree that the style, stylistic difference between Savela and Martino is evident because he demanded from the, the front four, you could call, uh, including Di Maria, Iwain, Aguero and Messi, to come back and help out with the recovery of the ball. Now it's clearly a case of, well, you guys take care of the attack, and these num- three uh, number fives in this case, maybe they won't always be number fives, they're the ones that, that take care of the of winning the ball back. And I think something that Biglia improved on greatly from Chile mm-hmm. was doing exactly that. I think he recovered the ball really well against Bolivia yeah. in, in Córdoba. And another, I think, deficit that is uh, remarkable uh, taking the, 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 the strikers Argentina has is the the goals. Uh, only six in six games. Of course, carried from the first two two rounds in which the Argentina hasn't scored any because they lost 2 nil against Ecuador and, and drew 0 nil against Paraguay. And that, of course, made Argentina to have a, a good average of goal to score more in the following matches than in the first two in which they Argentina hasn't scored so that's something also to take that's a recurring problem because in the World Cup we didn't score too many goals in the Copa America there weren't that many goals which is something very strange considering the amount of of, uh, firepower that you have up front with with Iwain who's been who scored 29 goals in Italy with Messi who always scores Aguero perhaps hasn't had his most prolific season at City. Yesterday, but last night against, a, a, of course, a, 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 a match in which you could have all the, all the goals you wanted because it was, of course, Bolivia. We have to respect Bolivia, but they are clearly uh, in, a, in another uh, level, and uh, they had the opportunities. They, I think, they they decided in a wrong way. In some cases, in some others, they have bad luck. Like in the first play, the 20 seconds, it would have been, I think, the, the, the fastest goal in history in the national team. Uh, because it was eight two, seconds. I eight seconds. I saw yeah. a late tweet, it was 20 seconds, and thought... Well, 
and, and uh, very quick twenty seconds. Di Maria have uh, because they, they they pressed highly in, in the Bolivia side, mm. and Di Maria has had a very very good opportunity, and they, he didn't decide very well, and then then Banega with this with the post, and uh, I think that marks of course uh, uh, something. You you have said that. Yeah, I think Martino's main challenge from here on will be to articulate those last two lines, the midfield and the and the offense, mm. to make them interact, come together, because clearly the idea that Martino has for free-flowing, passing, possession football hasn't really been implemented yet. It's only been a few matches, but you know the, the Copa America is only around the corner, so... And now, uh, until August, I think there won't be any more qualifiers matches, I think. No, so from here, it's only a couple of friendlies yes. and then an then official tournament, win. which for Messi will be one of the last he can, he can win. So. It's a semi-official tournament. Still not clear. Commonwealth still haven't said anything about it, and I don't think it, it can be counted until they actually announce something. Commonwealth hasn't, say hasn't made it official. No, 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 it's the Copa America Centenario. Yes, the problem is it's that like they call that. Probably that they call it that way because it was only it was just one hundred years, like the. Except it's not actually hundred years; it's ninety nine because the first official yes, South okay. American Championship took place in nineteen seventeen. Uh, same as same as twenty thirty World Cup that mm-hmm. they are, they are saying that it could could be organized by Argentina, Uruguay, even Chile with three. Three organizers, organizers of a World Cup because of the yes one year one hundred years anniversary of the Uruguay World Cup, which would be lovely. Yeah. I mean, ideally, obviously, you'd like it to be just entirely hosted in Montevideo, like the first one was. But since that can't possibly happen, and Uruguay can't host the rest of it, yeah, help out. But I can't see it actually happening because there's no money. Where's oh, the money? China, Uruguay, China Argentina, there. compared with Qatar and China and Russia and the United States and all the other places. Infantino, the, four, the, the, the brand new FIFA president, German, said that they. Well, yes. He's Swiss, He's, apparently. He's oh? Swiss. Oh. Yes. He might have been talking German, that's true. Carry on, though. Sorry, I was just uh, being pedantic. No, it's okay. Uh, um, uh, well, he said, yes, Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, yeah, yeah, good, good. Well, but you, you have China here and. They will pay hard, so we have to see. I think also fifteen years. There's ways to come up with the money if if they plan it in the long term. True, I'm just not sure it's going to be enough money. That's all. Maybe but I hope it is. My, my faith, it. my faith that FIFA has been reinvented and I'm going to just go after the brown envelopes anymore is uh, weak. But we'll see. Um, other stuff to do with these matches. Lionel Messi, of course, scored his fiftieth goal. Um, for Argentina from a penalty that shouldn't have actually been given uh, last night against Bolivia uh, it was a very very good tackle indeed on Ever Banega but uh, the referee thought it was a trip so there we go well done Lionel Messi depending on which websites you read it was also either his 499th goal or his 510th um, overall in his career the discrepancy, having done a little bit of digging and research, is not nothing to do with uh, counting goals in, in Barcelona friendlies. It is to do with the fact that the people who claim it's 499 are ignoring the 11 that he scored in the lower leagues when he was playing for Barcelona BNC, which I think is a bit silly, but there we go. No, I, I, I agree with that. BNC, well, yes. But it's not this, exactly, yeah. I mean, they should be counted because it's part of the, an official championship. It's not. Like if he was coming up in an English team and playing in the reserves, then sure, it doesn't count. But if he's playing against other first teams, their goals he scored as a professional footballer for me. Um, I think... Uh, so well done Lionel Messi on, on reaching the highly symbolic uh, 510 goal total already. He is only the 27th person in football history of, of the sort of major ones anyway, as opposed to players who spent their entire careers in lower leagues uh, to score more than 500 goals. And only the second currently playing, because of course Cristiano Ronaldo did it a few year, a couple of years ago, but we don't talk about that. Um, and also, uh, well done to him for going one goal closer to Gabriel Batistuta's um, all-time record for the national team. I'm going to pause to let this ambulance go by. Now that the ambulance has gone past, I shall complete that thought. Um, he's one goal closer to Gabriel Batistuta's uh, total for the national team, which, fittingly, considering what we were just saying, 
uh, is also disputed because it depends on whether you count a couple of B internationals uh, or not. FIFA apparently say they were B internationals and the AFA say they were proper full internationals even though they were played against Slovenia. It was Argentina's full national team against Slovenia under 23 or something like that in a pre-Olympic thing for Slovenia or something. I can't remember exactly which country it was, but it's a very strange fixture. In any case, uh, according to FIFA, Gabriel Batistuta scored 54 goals for Argentina. According to the AFA, he scored 56 goals for Argentina. And Lionel Messi now has 50. So at some point, possibly this year, and if not, then probably next year, Lionel Messi is probably going to be um, the Argentina's all-time top goal scorer. When exactly that happens, we're going to be a bit confused as to whether it's happened or not until he hits 57, which is when it will definitely have happened. Um, so well done him. And also, boasting possibly an even better goals-to-game ratio for the national team than Lionel Messi, we've got to say, very well done indeed, to Gabriel Mercado, uh, who in the last week has decided, the River Plate and Argentina now right back, um, has decided that he is the reincarnation of Cafu, even though Cafu isn't dead yet. Uh, and has scored two goals in two appearances. I think he's, he, he played two games for Argentina at some point before, didn't he? Because the stats I've seen say he's got two goals in four caps overall. But either way... Um, His match of, uh, in which he convinced Martino was in Colombia, I think. Uh, Barranquilla was. Yes, uh, you're right. He played centre-back in that game, didn't he? Yeah. I think. So well done. Um, well done him. Two in four from right-back is an astonishing total. Um, I wonder if it's the first time in Argentina history... It could be. Not a right-back squared two games in a row. Yeah, it might very well be. Uh, and as English Dan pointed out on Twitter yesterday, it means that uh, Mercado has now scored as many or more goals in the last two matches for Argentina as he did in about 150 appearances for Racing. So, well done Racing as well for producing this kind of player, uh, if indeed you did. Um, anything else to add? No, I would just say that uh, at the right-back position, we have a couple of really good options which are Sabaleta, obviously, and uh, and Mercado. But I think the main problem in defense now will be the left-back position because Rojo didn't convince me in either of the matches. But Rojo's kind of got it nailed down into previous... I suppose... I mean, we always mention the full-back positions. You're quite right yeah. to bring it up again. But um, so I'm not arguing with the point generally, but I would think that it's going to take a couple more terrible performances from Rojo before it starts to be... Doubtful. No, well, I wasn't agree with you that he should be doubtful. I wasn't questioning whether he should start because I don't think there's a clear uh, replacement for him. Mm. But I think that's probably the weakest point of the defense. It's Rojo or Van Hyuni and there, there is anyone else? Can't think of another left back. No, tumbleweed blows past as we attempt to. Um, anyway, the right, the, I think the defense, the overall, overall performance of the defense was. Was not the Bearing in mind that it was a very sort of stop and start defence throughout because Mascherano was suspended for the first match, uh, Otamendi got injured and had to pull out, and so we had against Chile it was Ramiro Funes Mori and. Oh, sorry, Garay was injured and had to pull out, and it was Ramiro Funes Mori and Otamendi against Chile, and both of them picked up yellow cards, which meant they were suspended against Bolivia. Um, so against Bolivia, it was at uh, left centre-back, it was Javier Pinola, the uh, Rosario Central um, centre-back, alongside Martin Demichelis, who might possibly have played his last game for Argentina, because he was muttering about maybe retiring from the national team. Well, that has, has sense if he isn't called up for the Copa America, uh, he has almost 35 years. And it can only be good for Argentina, right? I mean, it's not like he's... Yes. Astonishing. Well, they were good last night. Of course, they weren't uh, demanded. They, 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 there was many, sure, a lot of work for them. Th- this is another criticism of, of Martino that I would like to, to put out, which is if you're not going to do it at home to Bolivia, when exactly are you going to try and bring Mateo Musacchio into that back line? If you're going to give him a chance at all, he had some. What, what, what some he, got to do? he was recovering from an injury with no. A lot of matches, or no matches played since I think one or two months. Oh, really? Yes. Ah, uh, so he was so called he up. Was recovering, yes. He was recovering, yes. He could have played a couple of minutes last night, but it, had, it wouldn't have been uh, for real because he there wasn't there, there isn't any any matches matches soon uh, mm. apart from the 
in Copa America and any friendlies that could be. So it, had, it was no sense to. I think that's exactly right. It's it's the it's the right time to try new players, and I think Pinola was one who did uh, superbly on his debut. So I think it was the perfect timing to try out someone new. Demichelis is probably the last few matches in the national team. But also, even Pinola is uh, 33 years old. So to call him up for the first time, he's playing very well, he deserves it for his current form. It's nice to see him get the chance after famously being dropped for Juan Roman Riquelme when Riquelme decided he wanted to play in the 2007 Copa America after all. So, you know, it's nice that he gets the chance after after all this time. But he is still 33. He's not exactly one for the future. Just like well, if he will have been fit, perhaps will, he will have been the, the, the starting line, uh, starting 11, uh, along with Pinola instead of perhaps the Michelis. And then you have Garay, who I, I think I, I mentioned him uh, last episode, and there were journalists that cover national team activity that they don't say they don't understand what happened with Garay mm. why is he he's not being called up anymore uh, because he's not injured he's normal in terms of uh, the performance and, and it's not a visibility thing as I suggested it might be with him being in in Russia uh, last week because Ezequiel Lavezzi is still getting called up and Martino says Ezequiel Lavezzi will continue to be called up and I can tell Handapod listeners now exclusively that we do not get the Chinese Super League on television here in Argentina, even on DirecTV. La, la, and you said, Lavezzi himself said, well, no, yeah, I, I, don't see, I, I don't think I will be anymore there. And, and Martino said, yes, you will. Do Russia play in the winter? No, there's a winter break. Either that or it's a year-round calendar. Not sure when the So Russia maybe he hasn't been games. playing. Let's see whether it... This is the amount of uh, research we do before we begin recording. Um, what is it, Russian Premier League? Well, it is April oh, yes. now, so I'm sure they've started by now. That's very true, yes. If they've not, then the, what we've heard about the long Russian winters really must be <laughs> serious. Um, it, oh, bloody hell, I should have done this before. Uh, let's have a look. Everybody's played 21 games, I can go as far as to tell you that. Uh, and yes, there were matches played on the 20th of March 2016, so the winter break is definitely over. I have no idea how long that's been the case for, um, but there we go. Uh, well, considering that Romero doesn't play at all. Yeah, well know. that as well, yeah. Uh, Romero is a potential transfer target apparently for River Plate, because of course Marcelo Barrovero is leaving River in the middle of the year to uh, go on and try and make some money elsewhere uh, because you've got to do that unfortunately all of us do at some point or so yeah. I'm told I'm not, uh, rumors are, are going to be to be to are going to run from now on because uh, the, the Barbero agent has confirmed he will leave River so there will be Muslera was a, a real smoke co- uh, because he said it's impossible for him to leave Galatasaray he was mentioned only not uh, not something real, then Javier Lux and this case of, apart from Lux and Murcia, then Sergio Romero. I mean, if Romero gets an offer and he's not too bothered about the money, and I can only assume that Man United have been paying him a fair bit to sit on their bench for most of this season, um, you would think that if Romero is actually serious about getting to play for a bit, either whether it's coming back to Racing or whether it's going to River... Well, he hasn't been you, you too fussed about that. At some point, right? I mean, he doesn't. He hasn't been too fussed about that in recent years, so I, I, I ever, wouldn't be surprised. Ever, if he, arguably, he doesn't appear to. Have, it's just yeah. completely confusing to me that a, a goalkeeper doesn't care about starting. Hmm. I have defended him in terms of his actual performances and his level before, but uh, the attitude um, is, or not necessarily the attitude, but just the 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 fact that he's first choice in spite of barely having played any club matches is. Bizarre. It's a nice quirk, but no, that's about it. Um, moving on, then. Oh, well, let's go through the standings, in fact, because there were some interesting results elsewhere. The most interesting of which um, were that Ecuador, who you may remember were the early leaders, having won their first four in a row, including against Argentina in Buenos Aires in the very first qualifier, um, didn't pick up 
any wins in this recent doubleheader? They lost 3-1 at home, I think it was, wasn't it, to Colombia? No, they they, they, they lost... Uh, no, they drew 2-2 against Paraguay. With Colombia? No, no, I'm talking about the first game there. Let's, ah, hang on, we've got the matches here. The FIFA website has the results. Who'd have thought that? Um, let's go back and try and find these now. All in one big long list rather than just giving you the most recent ones first. Uh, you're quite right, Andres. Yes, I apologise. Uh, the other results from the rest of the continents qualifying in the recent double header, first of all, last Thursday, were Bolivia 2, Colombia 3. So, Colombia, very, very rare away win over Bolivia in La Paz. Um, Ecuador 2, Paraguay 2. Chile 1, Argentina 2, which we've talked about. And Peru 2, Venezuela 2. And then on Friday, for some reason, uh, Brazil got a 2-2 draw at home to Uruguay. And then on Tuesday, just gone, Colombia beat Ecuador 3-1. Uruguay beat Peru 1-0 in the Centenario. Uh, Venezuela lost. Venezuela led Chile 1-0 at half-time, but then lost 4-1 um, overall. Argentina beat Bolivia 2-0, as we've said. And Paraguay versus Brazil was on the verge of being hilarious and then unfortunately stopped being hilarious about 30 seconds from the end with what has to be said was a very, very nicely taken goal indeed from Danny Alves um, to make it Paraguay 2, Brazil 2. Brazil have not beaten Paraguay in Paraguay since 1985. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Um, and their record now in the 21st century is four wins for Brazil, four wins for Paraguay and five draws. That's in all venues and in all competitions, um, which is remarkable, <laughs> considering that I think Paraguay have beaten Brazil like five times ever, and that four of those have happened in the last 16 years. Um, the way that that leaves the standings looking is as follows now in the South American World Cup qualification table. Several positions being decided by goal difference, so I'm going to mention that as well. Uruguay are top on 13 points and with a goal difference of eight. Ecuador are second on 13 points, having dropped five points in the most recent doubleheader, as we said, and with a goal difference of five. Argentina have a goal difference of just two, but they are third on 11 points, uh, which is the first time during this qualification run uh, that Argentina have been in an automatic uh, qualification spot. Chile and Colombia both have 10 points. Chile are fourth with a goal difference of two. Colombia are fifth with a goal difference of one, meaning that Colombia currently occupy the playoff spot and Brazil's late equaliser means they are sixth with nine points and a goal difference of three the first time in the history of the current World Cup qualification format that Brazil have ended a double header outside any qualification spot at all including the playoff spot which is quite something and a lot of the Argentines who I follow on Twitter were celebrating last night's Dani Alves equaliser because it keeps Dunga in a job for another few <laughs> months. But, but this equaliser, the equaliser was more a headache for Paraguay than for Brazil. Of course, they getting grabbing a, a, a one point when they were lost. If if it's good for them, but if Dani Alves hadn't scored, then Paraguay would currently be Argentina. ahead of Argentina on goal difference in third. Um, so that's the difference that a goal can make. As it is, Paraguay is seventh, level on points with Brazil, but with inferior goal difference. They're uh, nine points and goal difference of one. Peru have uh, four points and a minus six goal difference. Bolivia are ninth with three points and minus six. And Venezuela, how the mighty have fallen. They almost qualified for Brazil um, 2014, but after six matches so far, they've picked up one point and have a goal difference of minus ten. They are starting to be crap again, like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like almost always. Yes, they, they like, uh, surprised uh, in, the, in the Copa America, but uh, recently they have been more aggressive or more uh, since, intelligent. And since the turn of the century, they've been picking up yeah. more and more points each time, until, of course, last time, they, as we said, they almost qualified. and uh, So this is a dramatic fall-off, which we've discussed before. Um, so you can go back to previous... Uh, World Cup qualifying um, episodes of Hand the Pod if you're interested in hearing more about that. Uh, but it is sort of sad in a way. I'd quite like to see Venezuela get to their first World Cup. They have an ageing team, which doesn't help at the moment. And, and um, that, Sorry, about Paraguay and Brazil, where I, I, I could say that I, I watched a part of it. 
uh, and, and mostly because Ramon Diaz is the coach of Paraguay, mm. and they suffer something that uh, is is something that Ramon Diaz, of course, uh, I think he must uh, or he wants to 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 correct, which is to score a goal or two in this case, and and to uh, offer the rival the possibility to take the ball and and, and to uh, go go to their side. Yeah. Uh, and last night it was, uh, of course, um, um, forgivable uh, because uh, they, it, it, they permit Brazil to come with their uh, to their box and, and, and finally get the get the, the, the equalizer. And uh, I, it's something I, I don't get. I don't I don't understand why it happens constantly when when he was the in charge of River and now Paraguay. He can't he can't or. Uh, there is something that they, that he works with the players that they can't keep their positions there, uh, uh, pressing or at least trying to get a, a counter attack. Last night was uh, just waiting for the final whistle. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, we're going to take a break now and refill our glasses. When we come back, we will go straight into listeners' questions. I think because there's not a hell of a lot. Well, we haven't got any domestic stuff to review really, so we'll just get straight on with your questions. So don't go away. Um, as Andres and Fran rightly pointed out, I've completely forgotten about a couple of big talking points on the domestic scene for the first part. So here we go. Uh, they they basically involve players being unable to train for various reasons. We will discuss River Plate first um, because there are more players who are unable to train in their case. Uh, nine of the squad have come down with a case of gastroenteritis today. Gastroenteritis is a very nasty thing, I can say this because I had it once. Um, I'd have thought they'll be alright for the weekend. They, they, are, they are not sure. Because they, it tends to be like a 24 or 36 hour thing, but of course they're basically going to be massively dehydrated all the way through tomorrow as well. And therefore there is a chance that the River game this weekend could be postponed as a result of that. Well, they um, won't be able to train. They won't be able to run. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they have two days off training... They'll be, they'll be feeling su- right as rain by sort of Friday. All of a sudden, they, have to play. they have to play 90 minutes without having trained yes. for two days. All of their work was reduced to the bathroom. We can there is... Um, mm. And a bucket, presumably, as well. Uh, there is a... Um, Precedent. <laughs> My brain is slowing down. There is a precedent for uh, such a game being postponed because in 2014, when they were in the B Nacional, Argentinos Juniors got a match um, against Boca Unidos suspended or uh, postponed. Sorry, not suspended. Um, basically, through the same thing. I think Argentinos were missing 10 or 11 players or something, and they asked for the match to be suspended for a week, um, and it was. So there is a chance that River Plate versus Patronato won't be played this weekend. Um, but watch this space and we shall see. The other major injury story uh, is, in a way, you've got to feel quite sorry for him because he promised he was going to stay off the you know gossip pages this time round when he got to Boca, and so it's proved. And he's still managing to be a major talking point anyway because Daniel Osvaldo has uh, fractured a mesotarsal, is it? The same one he, he fractured uh, a month ago or so has fractured again. And it's probably going to be, it's not as serious as the first time. It's, mm. uh, it's not going to take as long for him to recover, but he's, he's going to miss about three or four matches. And it's a real shame because, like you say, he's been doing well off the pitch. He's, he looked like he'd been training hard. And he hadn't played well necessarily the, the couple of matches he'd been back, but he, his head was surely in the right place. And, you know, it's a real shame because, like, we were discussing off the uh, mic with Andres just now, Davis isn't in a great situation right now in terms of form. And without a number nine, a classic number nine in the box, he kind of loses his 
you know, his feng shui on the pitch. Ole have got a, a quote as their main story on the Boca section of the site at the moment, uh, saying that Tevez says that I'm not a number nine, but if I have to do it, then I will. Which kind of makes me wonder, because presumably for the whole point up until this, where Osvaldo had the original injury, Tevez was being asked to play as a number nine, wasn't he, surely? He was. And he wasn't doing it then, so... Well, he, he was. The, well, technically there wasn't a number nine on the pitch. It was 4-3-3, mm. three, three, and Tevez was playing in the middle of that. Like a false nine? Or a false nine or something, yeah. equivalent, I guess. The, uh, the point is that he wasn't scoring goals, and he was playing poorly. It wasn't just a lack of goals. I mean, Iwain played superbly yesterday, and he didn't score. Tevez didn't play well, uh, hasn't played well in the last couple of months. Yes, strange because you, of course, in the preview, preview of their arrivals, it, for any Boca fan was Ovaldo and Tevez. They both were at Juventus a short period of time before uh, arriving to, to, to the club. Of course, you have say well, Juventus, you have Pogba, you had a lot of players. Vidal, in that case, when they were at Juventus, Vidal was also there. Uh, different players than Boca has now, but it's strange how they. Decade in, in terms of yeah, I mean Osvaldo, uh, an interesting statistic. I'm not trying to to put him down more than he is right now, but he scored. I saw the statistic on Twitter the other day. It was approximately I can't remember the exact number, but about 22 goals in 82. Uh, sorry, yeah, 22 goals in 82, 80, 88. I think it was matches mm. uh, in five clubs. Oh, was the, this was the since the start of the season? Since Ross, since he was at like Southampton that. to the present From day, he left Southampton. I think it was because I saw one of the replies to the tweet asking why Southampton wanted to include him. He said cause it, it was the start of he chose the start of the 2011 season. Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember. So I mean, it's not a great goal ratio, and he's suffering from his, only his third serious injury in his career. Mm. So it's it's a really poor time in the life of Osvaldo and. And in the in the luck of of Boca in general. But even even when he was fit uh, in terms of physically form, uh, physical form, uh, he of course he has uh, the uh, something special. You 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 know he has uh, uh, like skills that perhaps other strikers don't have. But he couldn't show that. Uh, he couldn't say, well, yes, Osvaldo is a finisher, a great finisher, a great. He had in the previous uh, uh, time he was at Boca some special things about the way he touched the ball, the way he he shot. But then then it was like it doesn't come on. It's Osvaldo, the one we thought he would have the the the, the that that different thing that made European clubs uh, hire him because. Do, do you think that there's a degree to which players? I mean, one one theory would be that maybe they they get back here and and for six months or so the sort of superior physicality, let's say, they, that they picked up from playing in Europe and training in Europe and and, and being around uh, the, the kind of training methods that European clubs use does them very well, and then they start to sort of subside. It wasn't such an issue maybe for Beron when he came back to Estudiantes because he was always a much more languid player, but possibly with with, with Tevez and and potentially with Osvaldo. But I wonder as well whether there's a degree to which these players just like sort of being at home again and they relax a little bit after a while they start to enjoy themselves because we saw the other night Marcos Rojo being photographed in a nightclub while he was in Buenos Aires with a cigarette and a drink um, which attracted not so much in the sports um, columns by the way but my girlfriend was telling me that some of the, the news sort of gossip shows in the morning were discussing whether it's fitting for a footballer to do this when he's got a national team game a couple of nights later Do people just want to unwind when they get back to Buenos Aires or back to La Plata or wherever it might be, having grown up down here? I don't know if if Marco Rojo isn't at uh, at the Manchester at the at the pub uh, uh, when they don't have to play. Uh, perhaps uh, they have spare time and they I'd, go to I'd the like pub. I like to see Marco Rojo go in a proper northern northern English pub. That would but be an amusing image. He, the problem is here that the gossip shows, like you say, uh, are all the time trying to capture. The players doing so, and oh look, he's too bad. He's going and smoking, and and perhaps uh, 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 the importance we give here to these things is not the same they they give in in, in, 
other places perhaps. Uh, they, they try to well if, if you go to a pub and smoke or something, but then in the in the pit you are good, uh, no problem. The problem is when you are, for example, Oswaldo had several problems with his now again his he, uh, his girlfriend, mm. but he didn't show his uh, skills in the pitch. So in that case, yes, you have to say well. Uh, apart from not being that good in the in the in the matches, you are shouting with uh, out to your to, to your girlfriend, and you are with some problems with the the broke up and. Uh, if if the, if the performance in in the matches is good, I think that 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 episodes will will be for, uh, forgotten. Yeah, I think I think something that's used to beat them if it's not. Yeah. To sum up, I think in Tevez's case, he came back and and scored a lot of goals and did really well despite the team not playing that well. But I think inevitably there's a degree of. Uh, you know, contagion, I think is the word. Yeah. Uh, when the whole team is playing badly and put more, or so, so worse than last year, it's eventually going to get to him. I think with, with Osvaldo, it's too soon to judge mm. because he hasn't had a run of, of, you know, matches starting because of injury. And also, if we're being kind of brutally honest, He's not as good a footballer as Carlos Tevez is. That's that's not necessarily a criticism of his ability. It's just that you know we're talking Tevez, one of the top players in the world, and Osvaldo, who is maybe a tier or two below that level. Yeah, so, but yeah, but I think it's too soon to judge for Osvaldo. Hopefully, he'll be able to recover and and get a good run of of matches in a row in the first team, and then we'll be able to see if if he's he's up for playing at Boca. His agent said today that he wants to retire at Boca. I don't know how. How probable that is, considering he's switched clubs almost every year of his life. Well, you never know. Give him a few more transfers, and he might end up back at Boca in five years' time before retiring. <laughs> it's a possibility. Let's go on to listeners' questions now. First of all, from Lawrence Hart, um, who says, "With Defensa Justicia doing so well this season, that's a very good point." I'm just going to quickly look up how exactly well Defensa Justicia are doing. Uh, they are. They are not so brilliant right now. They started. They're, they're sixth in group two um, and they're only six points off the lead so by their own standards they're doing well um, he says should the big five be monitoring the Argentine hockey league for their next managers well uh, Sergio Vigil Cachito Vigil the former uh, female hockey and, and I think male, both male and female hockey national team uh, coach uh, used to work for River Plate, not in the football uh, uh, department. In the hockey department. So. Yes, uh, okay. but he was there, and well, they, they, they then they uh, he didn't continue. But uh, yes, is Holland is doing the way he's doing? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Ariel Man is, is doing very very well indeed. Um, Lawrence also asks about would a download from my holiday in Cap Verde count as a new country for the podcast? I'm afraid we don't know, Lawrence, because SoundCloud have redone their stats. Um, I used to be able to see exactly how many downloads we'd had from every country on Earth, and I no longer can. They just lump several of them in uh, to all other countries. Um, I don't think it would, but I'm not sure. So I don't know. If anybody's going on holiday in North Korea, that would definitely be a new country for Handapod. But we've had a surprising number of, of countries that just have like one listener per weekend back when we could see... Um, exactly how many people were listening from where um, there are then a few tweets from me saying send in your questions and then we have a few more questions um, hello were oh right this isn't really a question for Handapod as such it's more a reply to my um, uh, tweet on Thursday night saying that our Handapod prediction was uh, was good for the scoreline of Chile-Argentina but uh, let's read it out anyway. Chico Harris, or Wayward from Hayward, asks, there were quite a number of yellow cards in that Chile-Argentina match. Were they all justified? I can't remember any being particularly controversial. No. I can't remember any controversy in the yellow Certainly cards. Certainly the ones that got the suspensions for Fulev Mare and Otamendi were both sort of a bit daft and understandable. Yes. Um, Mr. Numbers asks, will Gabriel Mercado make it to the Russia 2018 squad, assuming that Argentina get there? It's early, but it looks like... Uh, it's not like they're a surfeit of other options, are they? 
I think it's it's likely considering he's only 30. Mm. So another another two years, he'll be 32. Plus, he can be back up to Sabaleta right back, and he can also be at a push. He can be back up to him. He's going to be a centre back if end up with a glut of centre back injuries or something. So. I think if if he keeps up a relative degree of good form, he has a he has a great chance. Mm. Uh, we then have a related question from Tom Robinson who asks: Has Gabriel's supermarket, that's Mercado again, single-handedly solved Argentina's fullback problem? To which Fran, I know that you already tweeted a reply, so I'll give you this one to to respond to. Well, I think, like I said earlier, it was uh, it was the problem on the left, right? Mm. I think I think Rojo doesn't have a solid replacement. Probably Vangioni, another river player. But um, I think on the right side, we have two very good players. Yeah. The worry with Vangioni, I think, would be... I just wonder whether international referees would be as forgiving. Yeah, he does he get is. away with a lot of... Bone crunching. Yeah, that's being kind to. Um, Federico, uh, our other regular Boca Juniors supporter... Tweets in to ask, are we going to be too hard on Osvaldo for yet another injury? And is Fran asking for Caleri back? I don't think... I I think when the season started, I mentioned that I didn't rate Caleri as a future superstar. I think he's a very good player, but I think even in that podcast, I said that I would would probably pick Alario over Caleri. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would like to have him in the team right now because Osvaldo's missing. But if if I had to pick between the two, we're both in perfect form. Today, I'd still pick Osvaldo. Okay. But, um, uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I read on Twitter that that uh, Caleri is, perhaps, has, has, just, has just already been picked as a, a striker for the... Olympics. Yes, Rio 2016. Oh, really? That's... Yeah. Interesting. Um, Paul Odegaard says, has Messi taken a big step towards universal recognition after his displays against Chile and especially Bolivia? We should we didn't really mention it before, but aside from scoring his 50th goal, he also played very, very well in both matches. Um, I think the big step was the 2014 World Cup, really, wasn't it? From where I'm looking, sort of outsider, inside. Big step forward? I think... Paul probably means in terms of his sort of recognition from the Argentine public. I, I, I noticed a bit of a change. After that World Cup, I think people have stopped. You've still got some idiots saying, oh, he doesn't do it for the national team. But by yes. and large, there are far could, fewer could be, But uh, playing in the interior, in the provinces, it makes this more solid even. Because uh, yesterday it was uh, people even doing this to Messi. Yeah. Like uh, Bowing down to him. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they they want him more because he's from oh, from province too he's from Santa Fe Rosario the province the city from Santa Fe and uh, they all, they are all, always more uh, touchy with these things uh, uh, yes but I think the, there is no any any other any, any more that thing of hey, Messi you are from Spain put on your Spain T-shirt and, and no I mean you also have the other side of the coin in the sense that. Because I have heard this from from different people that he kind of faded away in in the in the decisive matches of the World Cup, mm. including the final. So I mean, yeah, definitely, it's it's less so that resentment, but he still has to win something. That's the thing, isn't it? It's good performances in the qualifiers. It's nice, but not the same. I said it to a friend yesterday. It was. Hard to get excited about an Argentina Bolivia match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and as you, one of you two mentioned earlier on, right right at the start, it's a, uh, it's hard to judge the difference. They they played better against Bolivia than they did against Chile, but at the same time, it's against Bolivia at home, so it's it's sort of tricky to to arrange. That's one thing that I think could, although this year's Copa America centenario um, appears to not actually be an official canonised Copa America um, by which I mean that I don't think that the winners of the tournament are going to be recognised by CONMEBOL as the champions of South America, I think that's going to remain with Chile even if Chile don't win it um, in terms of CONMEBOL's record books it could make a big difference if Argentina win it, 
it could make a big difference to how people see Messi. It's not the World Cup, but it's still going to be Argentina's no, yeah. first trophy since the 93 Copa America or whatever. It could be how it's seen. Absolutely. Um, Tom Robinson says, personally, I would going back to the fullback conversation, personally, I would like to see Tagliafico given a chance on the left, he says. What do we think of that? Yeah, that was the other, perhaps, local uh, defender that... I, I I think we have mentioned him and then we missed or I missed that he was there as a possible uh, replacement for for Rojo but it will be Banjoni before him I think that this that will be the order for for me uh, if Rojo isn't good in good form then Banjoni and if Banjoni has some uh, an injury or, or or any problem then then there you have Talgiafico uh, I think that in that order. And the other option would be what? Rosario Central's left back, Victor Salazar? It's not going to happen, is it? Perhaps for the qualify for the uh, Olympic Games, but not in the. I'm throwing it out there purely because of the form Central are in. But there were a few people asking why, uh, not asking Hand the Pod, but asking generently on Twitter why um, uh, Marco Ruben wasn't called up for the two games just gone. And my, my girlfriend's dad joked that it was because Martino didn't want to have to call up any more central players than he absolutely had to because <laughs> of course Martino is having well, the, the, old boys the striker that came into the national team uh, instead of Dybala was uh, Lautaro Costa and he didn't play or, mm. uh, he, no he didn't come in the, to the pitch in, in Chile right? no no. I think because you have two centre forwards who are amazing who are Aguero and Nguyen even if Ruben got called up, he probably wouldn't get any minutes on the pitch either. No, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? So, especially when you bear in mind you've also got Dybala, who only didn't feature because he was injured and possibly yeah. would have been one of the substitutions who, who made the pitch if he hadn't. He's a future superstar. For sure, yeah. Um, Arsenal Fanatic has tweeted us to say, naturally, given his username, I feel compelled to support Arsenal de Sarandi. Is this a good or a bad idea? Bad, bad, bad idea. I was about to say that I should give the uh, Handapod editorial line on this before allowing Fran or Andres, so I think have both come in since we really last discussed why we hate Arsenal this already so much, um, to, to say anything. But there we go, Fran's jumped in straight away and agrees with us. Um, Arsenal this are a club who were founded in 1957 by the former uh, head, and the only reason he's the former head is because he died, as, as you may know, um, of the Argentine Football Association, Julio Grandona. He wasn't the head of the Argentine Football Association at the time, of course, but Arsenal sort of became his power base, and as soon as he became president of, of the Argentine FA, they began a rise up the leagues, which even Hander Pod's still sort of resident Arsenal fan and socio, uh, Sandy, who is now living in Australia and not, hasn't been on for a while, um, admits is something that Arsenal fans don't expect to carry on for very much longer their stay in the Primera now that Rondon has gone um, so by and large we would say no but having said that you're already an Arsenal fan so you know you're basically thinking you're on the wrong side of history yes, if, if <laughs> so you're why not, not just if, go for it if you're not obsessed with winning titles and, and matches and playing well well that is not a bad ra- 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 idea of course oh, precisely that's, that, 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 that's the spirit um and Liam Kelly, who is no relation to Crusader, we're watching a second division match, by the way, whilst recording. Uh, Bashir is a 1 0 up against Crusader del Norte in the 59th minute, and Crusader del Norte have just come very, very, very close to equalising and really should have done good save from the goalkeeper. Um, Caranta. Yes, Caranta, the former Instituto goalkeeper, now at the arch, arch rivals. Oh, is that oh, okay. Yes, and if Tashir wins, uh, they get a six points difference. Ahead, I think. Hey. Yeah, that's right. I've, actually, I've got six up here in case we go. They're currently, I think they'll go four clear because they're currently a point clear. Is this right? Actually, this table's live, so it might just not updated. Let me check now. If Dasheris win, they'll go three points ahead of ah. Gimnasia de Jujuy in first. Had one, okay. Um, and those are the main candidates to get promoted, the only promotion to the first division. Yes, precisely. That's why it's such a, a big thing. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation, says if things as if things couldn't get any worse for River, there are nine players affected by a virus. Can they request a postponement for this weekend? Yes, we've already answered that one. Obviously, Liam didn't know that, so I'm not criticising. So um, for me, my opinion is that they uh, could have uh, planned plan something different and, and put players they he's not used to put there mm-hmm. in the pitch. Uh, since 
River is not anymore on the fight for the title. I, I, it's obvious that with nine, eight, eight points uh, behind and a lot of teams, I think nine teams ahead, uh, it will be, will be anyway very difficult with Copa Libertadores yeah. next week against Tronjes. And, That's and the thing, isn't it? And, and you'd have yes. to think River are in a, a decent position to qualify for the knockout round of the Libertadores. <laughs> if that happens and they've already got this match postponed, then they're going to have a load of fixture congestion. And the other thing is that the, the away team at Patronato, the away team are not one of the teams who are fighting for the top place in Group 1 either. So it's not as if it is going to adversely affect um, either the relegation battle, given Patronato's standing, I think, um, or... Actually, I'm going to check the relegation battle now. Um, or, certainly, the title race. And therefore, there's no real harm done all round if, if River don't. Uh, in fact, Patronato have got just over a point per game. Um, so it, it could possibly affect the relegation battle. So we'll see. But, of course, the AFA can't demand River. For, the AFA can't force River to request a postponement. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, and finally... Darren Paul says, I get married tomorrow. Congratulations, Darren. Uh, huge congratulations. So that'll be, well, today, presumably, now, by the time this goes online, I mean. Yes. Um, he says, a new podcast is just what I'll need for the honeymoon trip. I'm sure your wife will be <laughs> thrilled to hear that. Um, that is says, so depressing. <laughs> well, just insulting. I mean, I don't know who he's marrying, but uh, uh, he says, would Gustavo Bowl have helped Argentina last night? Honestly, these racing fans, it's always something. Yes. So many, so much racing fans. I think we're going to say no for the same reasons that uh, Fran and Andres gave for not calling up Marco Ruben uh, when I mentioned him a couple of minutes ago. If it was anyone, it, w- it was Ruben. It wasn't Bo. No, absolutely. Um, now, one last piece of music. Well, apart from the end theme tune, of course. And uh, coming up next are the mystical predictions for this week. Don't go away. This week's sorry, Andres. This week's mystical predictions are brought to you by Chris Murtag, who is trying to beat uh, the ones of two weeks ago, um, when, as we say, Tom Robinson got an astonishing ten out of fifteen. Uh, Chris's predictions are as follows: Tucumán versus Atlético Tucumán versus Huracán, draw. Olimpo versus Rosario Central, draw. That's an interesting one. Tempele versus Estudiantes. He's going for an Estudiantes win. Racing to get a home win against Tigre. Uh, Boca Juniors to get a home win against Atletico de Rafaela. River Plate to draw away. Oh, they're away to Patronato, not at home. So anyway, um, I've been talking about it all, all podcast long as if it was a home match, but oh. apparently they're away. Patronato versus River to be a draw. Of course they are, because Boca are at home. Very, very silly all round. Uh, Banfield versus Colón to be a draw. Newell's Old Boys versus Aldo City, a match that I will be attending in my capacity uh. as a member of the press. Um, not something I do very often, but myself and Remy are going on a road trip to Rosario this weekend for articles on Lionel Messi. So we're going to be going on to that match. Um, he's going for an Aldo City win in that one, so that will be disappointing. Uh, San Martin versus Argentinos Juniors, home win for San Martin. San Lorenzo versus Belgrano to be a draw. Uh, Godoy Cruz to get a win away to Vélez Sarsfield. Defense Justicia versus Arsenal, he says in the Clásico. Like, it's not really a Clásico, but yeah, it's this weekend's inverted commas Clásico. Uh, he's going for an Arsenal de Sarandí victory in that one. Sarmiento versus Independiente to be a draw in Junín. Gimnasia La Plata to get a home win over Quilmes. And Union versus Lanús, he says, of course, a home win. What do we think of those, gents? Central to only draw away to Olimpo is an interesting one. They've had two weeks working hard. And... It's a tough stadium. It's a very small pitch. The fans are really close to the to the pitch. I mean, it's a tricky away fixture, but in the form they're, they're in... Actually, they haven't been winning too much in the last few matches. Central, let's bring up their last few I matches. I think they've drawn one and lost to Patronato. I think they did win their last one. I have a feeling you've got a good point there, actually. They have got... Oh, they've won their last game, in fact. They've, yeah. Their last three matches have been a 2-2 draw at home to Banfield, a 1-0 defeat away to Patronato, and then a 1-0 win at home to Sarmiento. 
Um, so yeah, it's so going to be tricky for them with the irregular form, but they should be able to win that, to be mm. honest. You would think so, but we will see mm. next week. Same as Lanús, I think. And the, the, the one who predicted said that Union will have the win. Yes, it should be clarified that, uh, that Chris is a Banfield fan. So that's why he's going for Lanus to, uh, to yes. lose away to Union. Um, so we shall see next. It's it's very noble of him though to, to so put his his club allegiances before the possibility of actually getting one right in, so in the prediction sneaky. competition. Um, but there we'll see. Um, we'll see next week how Chris gets on with those. As we say, ten out of fifteen is the mark to beat. Set last time out by Tom, um, and I believe that that's all we have time for. This well, it's not all we've got time for. We can go on forever, but it's already really got to talk about. Um, and oh, look at that it's exactly 9.30 unrest which is the time that you wanted to be leaving so yes. in fact that is all we've got time for ladies and gentlemen uh, after all thank you very much for listening for another week please share us with your friends and we'll see you back here or rather you'll hear us back here at more or less the same time might possibly be a day later um, for episode 220 whoa it's a big number isn't it big milestone there in the meantime thank you very much for listening and goodbye for another week from Fran Pleasure to be here as always. From Andres. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.